And so I thought it might be uh, wise for us to read some verses uh, from the scriptures uh, about uh, resurrection, the promise of resurrection. In Job chapter 19, we read, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see, and not another. My heart faints within me. Then in Isaiah chapter 26 we read, As for me I know that my, uh, your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. Then in the Brit Hadashah and the New Covenant, we read in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming, in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And so certainly resurrection is a promise in the Tanakh, uh, resurrection is a promise uh, of uh, the God of Israel to the Jewish people. In fact, the Haftorah portion for today comes from Ezekiel chapter 37. And in Ezekiel chapter uh, 37, we read about the resurrection of Israel, a great promise of the resurrection of Israel. And so uh, we read in verse, oh, in verse uh, 12, of Ezekiel 37. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. That is a great promise uh, of resurrection. Uh, and then in the Siddur, in our Siddur, right? Uh, as Marcy led us just a few minutes ago, uh, in the uh, Amidah, uh, we read... Uh, these words. You sustain the living with kindness and with great mercy. You revive the dead. You open, you uphold those who fall and heal the sick, set the captives free and keep faith with those who sleep in the dust. Lord of might, who is like you, O king? Who can be compared to you? You decree death and restore life, causing salvation to flourish. You are faithful to revive the dead. Blessed are you, Lord, who calls the dead to life, who calls the dead to life. Uh, and so we have uh, here uh, some wonderful words of hope of the resurrection uh, of the dead. Uh, and so that should come as no surprise that resurrection is so important in the coming of the Messiah in Jewish history. So when we're talking about the resurrection of the Messiah, when we're talking about the resurrection of Yeshua, 
uh, we have to first ask ourselves, what do we mean by the resurrection of the Messiah, the resurrection of Yeshua? It means, well, first I'll say what it doesn't mean. It's not resuscitation. It's not that uh, like uh, Lazarus, for example. Uh, it's not like when uh, in a hospital uh, someone is resuscitated. That's not what it is. Uh, because a person is resuscitated to their same old life and they'll eventually die. Resurrection is a regeneration of life. It is new life. It is uh, an incorruptible life. It is an imperishable life. It is a life that will never see death again. Uh, and that is what Yeshua experienced. And he is the first fruits of that resurrection of Israel and of the resurrection uh, of humankind. Uh, and so because he rose from the dead and he is the beginning of the resurrection, as we'll see, he conquered sin, he conquered death in his resurrection. And when we embrace him, we become identified with his death and his resurrection. And so uh, in a place uh, in the New Covenant scriptures, for example, like 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, we read here uh, about the hope that we have because of the resurrection of Yeshua. Okay? We read uh, here in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us all to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Yeshua the Messiah from the dead. So he says here, by the great mercy of God, uh, we have been given a new lease on life. We have been regenerated. We have been born from above. I, I, because, and, and so therefore we have a living hope through the resurrection of the Messiah. So because of the resurrection of Yeshua, we ourselves become regenerated. A spiritual transaction takes place when we embrace Yeshua. Uh, and that spiritual transaction is that we are regenerated. We uh, have a new life, a new lease on life. And so then it says after that, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so this hope that we have of a new body, of a regenerated life altogether, uh, is a hope that we have. And nothing can separate us from that hope. No virus, no uh, a governmental decision, uh, no disappointment, no disease, uh, no misunderstanding, no nothing can separate us from the inheritance that we will have. And that inheritance is indeed a new body. Today we have been regenerated internally, right? Uh, we read in another place, 
that even though our outer body decays, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we have an inward uh, resurrection, we might say, an inward new lease on life. Outwardly, we still have this flesh, but we have a hope and a trust in God and a belief that indeed we will indeed see a day when we will have uh, a new body and there will be an, a new world. Uh, and how important it is for us to, uh, you know, to understand that. The passage goes on to say, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So we have not seen that complete resurrection, but that day is indeed coming. Then he says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, gold is perishable, okay? Whether you're talking about gold, silver, whatever it is, it's perishable. Even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Messiah Yeshua. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of, and full of glory, obtaining as an outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Uh, and, and so this resurrection of Yeshua, by the fact that it happened, and the promise that God gives us gives us an assurance of a future. This is not all there is. And so what it does is it changes the resurrection of Yeshua changes our world view. Rather than looking at it as this is the day I was born and this is the day I die and everything in between is what happens. Now there's the day I'm born and then I don't die. I may die physically, but the Bible says the sting of death is removed when we know the Lord, because we have an assurance of living forever. There will be a day of our resurrection, no matter how we die, no matter when we die in this life. We know that inwardly, we begin to live life eternally. We begin to live the new life when we embrace Yeshua, again, because We've been regenerated inwardly because there is a spiritual transaction that takes place. Okay? Now, we read about this spiritual transaction that takes place regarding the resurrection uh, in a couple of places. One is in the Gospel of John in the 11th chapter. In John chapter 11, we read these words. Yeshua said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's what Yeshua said. And so when we embrace him, he is the resurrection 
When we embrace him, we become identified via the Ruach, via the Holy Spirit, uh, with his resurrection. And then in another place, Paul, Rav Shaul, comments on this in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, we read there, We have been, in verse 4, we have been buried with him through immersion into death in order that as Messiah was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And so we are in the likeness of his resurrection. We will be physically one day, but in an invisible way today, we are. And so he, he says, consider yourselves, think of yourselves, dead to sin and alive to God, dead and alive. And you know, there are several places uh, that we read about that, we're, that we become dead and alive. We identify in Messiah's death which is why we are forgiven uh, of our sins, uh, and we are, we're identified in his resurrection, why we have new life. Back uh, in 1 Peter, we read in the second chapter, in the 24th verse there, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Of course, coming from Isaiah 53 there. So you notice, we die to sin and live to righteousness. This is how we're identified in his death and his uh, resurrection. And then in chapter 3 of First Peter in verse 18, for Messiah also died for sins once for all, the Passover, right? The just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit, death and life, death and resurrection. So we are identified with the resurrection. So we could say that we live a resurrection life via the Ruach HaKodesh, via the Holy Spirit, inwardly. That is our present hope. We see that is the living hope. We have a hope that is alive today, a hope for today, and a hope for the future, as we read in First Peter, all because of the resurrection of the Messiah. Now, in order for us to appreciate this and even understand it a little bit more and what it means in our own lives, uh, we need to go back to the Passover. We need to go back to Passover. And so we know that in the Passover, we know that there was the 10th plague, that the lamb died so the firstborn could live. And we identify Yeshua as the lamb of God, right? He died so we could live. He's the Lamb of God. The blood of the Lamb was placed on the door, and so the wrath of God passed over. Wherever he saw the blood, the firstborn lived. Uh, when we embrace Yeshua, uh, wherever God sees the blood of Yeshua upon us, so to speak, the wrath of God passes over us. We are forgiven of our sins, 
The guilt of our sins, Yeshua took it all upon himself. He is the Lamb of God, right? The Lamb died so the firstborn could live. But after that night, the people had to leave in a hurry, right? And they made their way to the Red Sea. And they get to the Red Sea, and they're at like their backs are against the wall. The sea uh, has uh, uh, they can't get through the sea, and uh, the Egyptians the sea becomes a barrier for them, uh, and the Egyptians now the Egyptian army is coming after them. Their backs are against the wall. If God doesn't do something, they're going to die. And if they uh, die, then the death of that firstborn would have been in vain. I mean, the death of the lamb would have been in vain. You see, the death of the lamb would have been in vain. It wouldn't have mattered if the firstborn lived because the firstborn is going to die now. See? Okay, but God did a great miracle, right? He parted the waters of the sea. He parted the Red Sea. He did a great miracle by his power, by his powerful arm, by the arm of the Lord. He did this un amazing miracle. And he parted the waters. The people crossed on dry ground to the other side. And then the waters closed up and the Egyptian army drowned. Right? Now the people were truly free. They were on the other side. The Egyptian army couldn't do anything to them. May I suggest that the parting of the waters of the Red Sea is like the resurrection of the Messiah. Without the resurrection of the Messiah, his death would have been meaningless. Without the parting of the waters, the death of the Lamb would have been meaningless. But because the waters parted and, and the people got to the other side, now they could truly rejoice. They could rejoice. Uh, and what did they do? They sang a song. If you go back to Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, we read, Az Yashir Moshe, the song of Moses, right? Uh, it, it says here in uh, uh, Exodus chapter 15, Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. And the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellence, thou dost overthrow those who rise up against thee. Thou dost send forth thy burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. And, of course, the passage uh, goes on, uh, and if we move uh, to verse 11, we see here a song that we sing uh, in English. Who is like thee among the gods, O Lord? Who is like thee, majestic in holiness, 
awesome in praise, working wonders. Thou didst stretch out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. In thy loving kindness thou hast led thy people whom the Lord has redeemed. In thy strength thou hast guided them to your holy habitation. And so we see this great word of praise, and there's a couple of significant things about it. This becomes the real focus of the redemption. This becomes the real focus of the Exodus experience. They're praising God because he parted the water. This is how they understand how their life is saved, because he parted the water and they got to the other side. They needed the lamb to die in order to be able to live, in order to get to the Red Sea, but the parting of the Red Sea becomes the focal point of their uh, real salvation. And so the passage uh, says that here, uh, he has become my salvation because the, the horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Who is like God? There's no one like God. And so they're, they're thanking God. They're praising God because now they have moved from death uh, to life. So you need both the lamb that was slain and the blood on the door and the parting of the waters of the Red Sea. So in the same way, we need the death of Yeshua for the forgiveness of our sins. We need the death of Yeshua to pay the price for our sins, to the relieve us of the guilt of our sins. But we need the resurrection in order to live in his righteousness, in order to be free from the power of sin in our lives. Uh, and, and so therefore, the resurrection is essential. And that is why we read in 1 Corinthians, in the New Covenant, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read about how essential the resurrection is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul first makes a case of the fact of the resurrection, that it happened, and that people saw it. I won't take the time to read the whole passage. Uh, but he says here that uh, Yeshua uh, died for our sins, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve, and that he uh, appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, more, uh, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James and to all the apostles. Uh, and, and then he says, and he appeared to me. So Yeshua there's the fact of the resurrection. People saw it. They were eyewitnesses, right? Uh, and then he goes on to say that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Messiah has been raised. And if Messiah has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Why does he say that? Why does he say that our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain if Yeshua has not been raised from the dead? Just the same way as when our ancestors left Egypt in a hurry and they get to the Red Sea, the death of the lamb would have been in vain if the waters of the sea didn't part. But because they got to the other side, they were alive. 
So because of the resurrection, we get to the other side. Because of the resurrection, sin has no power over us. It no long, we are no longer slaves to sin. You see? Uh, we become slaves to God. And, you know, it's interesting that back in Exodus chapter 15, uh, we read that when, that the testimony of, in this song, that when they crossed the waters of the sea, it's interesting how it's described where they are. It says in verse 13, In thy loving kindness thou hast led the people whom thou hast redeemed. In thy strength thou hast guided them to thy holy habitation. That's interesting. In thy strength thou hast guided them to thy holy habitation. That means to where you to where God is. But do you remember where they were? They were in the wilderness. Their surroundings were not good. They were in a very difficult place. But it's called God's holy habitation. And they're giving thanks because they've been freed from the bondage of Egypt. Pharaoh uh, and the taskmasters had no power over them anymore. Now they were in the presence of God, and as long as they followed God, they would be okay to get to the promised land. First they went to Sinai. God gave them a way of life. God gave them the Torah. Uh, and then God promised them new life. But because they kept straying from the way of the Lord, the entire generation died in the wilderness, although God's promise was still true, and the next generation got to the promised land. You know, and, and so what we see is that the motif of Passover is the backdrop of the entire story of the Brit Hadashah, the entire good news, moving from death to life, right? Uh, he bore our sins in his death and gave us life in his righteousness, in his resurrection. And that's why Yeshua's bodily, real resurrection is so important to us. We have the fact of it and we have the promise of it. But not only of the future, but also for today. The power to live a new lease on life. To recognize that our identity is found uh, in him. That we're identified with him. Our life is hidden in him. We're being renewed internally as we continue our walk uh, with the Lord. Our position is living in him. The challenge for us is our practice. The challenge for us is our practice of walking in Messiah. Uh, and, and so that's why we celebrate the resurrection of the Messiah. And that's why it is indeed so important to us. Uh, and so I hope that as we are celebrating the Passover, uh, I hope that as we are uh, remembering the lamb that was slain, that we're also now remembering the great work of God in Yeshua being raised from the dead. And might I suggest that when Back in the book of Acts, when we uh, are reading the speeches of Peter and we're reading the speeches of, of, of Paul and 
and Stephen, there's this tremendous focus on the resurrection of Yeshua because this is the great hope of Israel, the resurrection of the dead. And so by Yeshua being raised, that is the beginning of the Olam Haba, the beginning not only of our resurrection, but the resurrection of the entire world. And that is indeed the great promise that we have. And so getting back to 1 Peter, even though we may be struggling right now, even though we may have various trials, we have a hope waiting for us in the future, no matter what, and we can experience aspects of that new lease on life indeed today. We read, very practically speaking, put off the old, put on the new. And I hope that that's what we can do today as we celebrate Yom HaBikurim uh, and, and how wonderful indeed uh, that is. So let's take a moment and let's pray and let's be thankful to the Lord for the great work uh, that he's done. Lord God, thank you for Yeshua, our Messiah. Thank you that, yes, he is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, but thank you that the Lamb lives. Thank you that the Lamb was indeed raised from the dead. And thank you, Lord, that the day is coming when we'll indeed have another Seder called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, uh, when we will have a Seder with the Messiah, giving thanks for our complete redemption, our full redemption in him. Thank you for this season of double redemption, that we've been redeemed from bondage back in Egypt as a people, and we've been redeemed from bondage to sin in Messiah Yeshua. And so, uh, God, may we ever be thankful for that. May we ever rejoice uh, in that. Lord, and I pray for all of us today that if we are experiencing bondage, the bondage of addictions, the bondage of bad thoughts, the uh, a bondage of a way of life, that we might realize that our backs are no longer against the wall, but the waters have indeed parted. And I pray, Lord, that we would really live on the other side, that we would really live on the side of freedom, following you, and that even though we may be walking in the wilderness today, that we might really understand our lives to be bound up in you and that we have assurance of a real physical resurrection and may we be able to experience its presence in our life today as we uh, overcome the bondage of sin and the bondage of of the uh, bad things that happen in our lives. May we be released from that bondage as we continue to embrace Yeshua and keep our eyes fixed on him and realize the living hope that we have in Messiah Yeshua. We thank you and we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.